This week on Nineworks Radio, Mark Sumter tells us what it's like buying, selling and racing Porsches for 30 years. Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Nineworks Radio is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Nineworks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as you, our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Andy and I are joined by Mr. Mark Sumter. Morning. Paragon Porsche, Good morning. how are you? Thank you for having me. Two and a half hour journey to get here, Mark. First of all, yes, huge yeah. effort. We're really, really <laughs> grateful for you doing that. No, it was good, actually. It was, it was a, well, as you say, sunny and a uh, nice drive down. Excellent. Really nice. Yeah, that, it makes, makes all the difference. I'm sure people at home will be grateful for the effort that you've made as well. Um, we've wanted to sit down with you for a while on Nineworks Radio because we're big fans of Peregrine Porsche, as people know through our various Nineworks platforms. But also, you're racing side of things your racing history is really interesting i feel like you've raced everything yeah (laughs) (laughs) strange i was thinking obviously you know preempting this i was thinking about it and i've raced lots of things with the engine behind me and not many things with the engine in front of me (laughs) so yeah it's quite weird but yeah the racing came before paragon existed you know pretty uh interesting cars early on i mean sort of track racing started with two cvs so yeah oh, wow. <laughs> where, where the engine cool. was in front but air cooled so yeah <laughs> I yeah i'd done a bit of research actually and found yeah. out that you'd yeah. raced two cvs and also beetles was there beetles yeah 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 big yeah. boys yeah toys. so Be- beetles was uh yeah big big boys toys beetle cup which was a big thing at the time, you know, because yeah. it actually supported some rounds of the British touring cars. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how, it, how the racing career started. Yeah, yeah. So that What's, was their sort of first, I mean, you know, two CVs. Was, it felt serious at the time, but the Beatles felt a lot more serious, if you like, because we were on with, uh, you know, we, we, with the two CV championship, it was pretty much all based at Lydon Hill. Yeah. Um, and then with the Beatles, because they supported some, you know, touring car races and other good uh, series we i had to learn some more circuits basically <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first time you know i went through paddock hill and things so that was quite interesting at brands hatch so, yeah, so yeah. how long ago was that when when was that so i, I did the beatles from 90 i did 93 and 94 so yeah. i did one year so we started paragon in 93 so we actually did a year uh because when we first started paragon we we had a couple of beetle cup cars so we were also selling beetles and uh, we working on vws oh, i didn't know that for a couple of years we did yeah. that so um but yeah yeah wow yeah. so what kicked off paragon then was it the relationship with that racing or yeah i mean i was in my early 20s and uh i was working at a ford uh, and jeep dealership and yeah. i was a sales director and our body shop manager a good friend of mine uh, and I used to, you know, as soon as we fin- finished our day job, we would then work on our hobby cars. Yeah. And it was 911s. I, we both had a 911 Turbo. Um, his was a bit better than my one. <laughs> <laughs> were, they, was, were they 930s? Yeah, 930s. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I bought mine as a, just a chassis from America, a left-hand drive and things like that. And Jeez. then we built it up from parts and things. And uh, his was a proper car. <laughs> um, but we used to just mess around. He he was a, a body shop guy, 
So he would, you know, we'd change the colours of the cars and we'd spray things and we'd just do things related to cars and work in the evenings on them. Yeah. Um, and then um, another friend was racing two CVs and we sort of saw him and, you know, um, my pal Adrian said, let's build one of those and we did that. So, <laughs> but yeah, we, so we were working on these Porsches and in that recession of the early 90s, a lot of the Porsche specialists and dealers went bust. Yeah. Um, and because our 911s were parked around and, you know, sometimes on the forecourt and around the garage, we suddenly had people coming into the showroom and saying, Look, I know you're a Ford dealer, but can you service my oh, wow. 3.2 Carrera or yeah. 928 or whatever? And uh, being in our early 20s and not fearful of anything, <laughs> we just thought, right, we're just, you know, we're fed up with Fords. We're going to just go and buy a garage and, and, and fill it with Porsches. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, wow, so that, that is like real That's, natural progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that. So we did a, a quick business plan and we went to the bank and they pretty much laughed us out of the bank. <laughs> <laughs> so there's absolutely no way this is going to work <laughs> and don't do it and all of that. Uh, but we'd already put an offer in for a little village petrol station um, in Five Ashes, which is where we still are. My God. And luckily for us, the owner of it, had never wanted it. It was his dad's garage and his dad had passed it to him when he died. And, and this guy just really didn't want it. Um, and he was disappointed when we went back to him and said, look, sorry, Peter, but the bank won't lend us some money. He said, well, you have it anyway and just pay me, you know, pay me a rent. And, and it, when you can afford it, give me a bit of a deposit and then go back to the bank, see what you can do. And it was a really like oh, a handshake wow. agreement. And we did that. So we rented it for two years and then, went back to the bank two years later and said, yeah, actually, we're still around and it has worked and we'd like to speak to you again. And, and they Fantastic. said, yeah, yeah, we'll lend you the money. And, and that was that, you know. So then we, oh. we bought it oh, sort of two, year, two years later. Yeah. What a man Peter was. Yeah, yeah, he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic yeah. Yeah, Peter and his, his, he had one mechanic. They were running a petrol station, workshop, MOT, car sales. He had him and one mechanic. And Peter was lazy so people would, you know, people would pull in for fuel and he'd shout. I can't remember what the guy's name, whatever, but he'd shout for him. So he'd have to finish, like, stop doing whatever he's doing in the workshop, wash his hands, go, because it was attended, it was yeah. like really old-fashioned pumps. Wow. So it was attended service. So you used yeah. to have to put the fuel in, then go to the till. Peter would be sitting in his office. <laughs> Come on. But then years after, and we, and we, you know, years after, and we had I don't know, a dozen of us there or something. And Peter used to proudly come in because he still lived in the village and look around and say, yep, same as when I had it, this is. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's really weird. Oh, um, fantastic. You're you're at the same location. It's changed substantially. I know you had a a massive refit and renovation a a few years back now. Was that, I'll say, 2017? Yeah, so we've we've had two sort of major uh, changes. So we we realised that we needed to get rid of the fuel because we had a village shop and a fuel station, so that that <laughs> way you, you carried that. Yeah, on. we carried that. I mean, we yeah. we just anything that would that would make any money at the time. You know, we yeah. were open. I think we were open sixteen hours a day or something like that, and we were selling baked <laughs> potatoes for people. <laughs> and, you know, like literally would heat them up just, in a microwave, and it, it was it, we were doing everything. Yeah, you know, birthday cards, eggs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> fuel, um, and and. and spannering on a few Porsches in the background. Yeah, so it started with, yeah, as I say, obviously we didn't have any money, basically. So the first thing we did was put our own cars up for sale. And at that time, um, we could borrow cars because there weren't, you know, if people were desperate to sell their cars and Porsches weren't 
very valuable. They they, they really devalued in that early 90s. Uh, so we had a few cars that were customers' cars, but we had a lot of VWs. You know, it was yeah. easier to stock. Um, so we'd sell camper vans and we'd sold a few Beetles and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. So, but that only lasted for probably 18 months. Um, and then um, we soon worked out that the fuel wasn't a great thing to have because, you'd be, you know, I remember one day when I was trying to sell someone a 911 and then someone you know he was sort of standing back and looking at this car and then someone that wanted to buy five pounds worth of fuel just came into the forecourt and put their hand on the hooter and like ah, <laughs> started right. ab- abusing this customer and the guy just sort of <laughs> ran away if you like you know? and i thought i think we need to focus on yeah, where, where we're going with yeah. this so we sort of soon worked it out that that, that that's where we wanted to be yeah. and so we shut the fuel uh, which gave us a forecourt a full forecourt and we did one extension of a showroom and we went up and put offices above. So it was only a single story when we bought it. And then, yeah, a few years ago, I think now five years ago, we did a big extension. So now we've got a 15 car showroom and, and, and at that stage, we, we, we completely blitzed the workshop. So we've got some really posh stuff in there, some mm-hmm. nice ramps that lift, you know, out the floor and, yeah. and all the latest, um, wheel alignment. Um, systems and obviously just replaced absolutely everything so it's all yeah. up to date now yeah. it's um it's got a lovely feel to the place obviously i've been there i think well 10 years now i've been yeah, yeah. new mark unfortunately yeah. yeah so you've seen it you, yeah you've seen some progression yeah 100 percent. And, and it's it's always had a, a really nice feel to it i think that the the staff there yourself jamie jason and and everybody in you know the, the whole business they cultivate a really nice culture yeah at the business yeah. anyway and you feel that when you walk in so it's really nicely presented the showroom is stunning um Thank you. it's 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 i think i've said before it's similar to an opc um in the sense of it's immaculately presented really kind of nice but i think what it what it has that some opcs do not is just that kind of warm inviting atmosphere when you walk yeah. in you know sometimes opcs can feel a little bit dead in my opinion um, yeah, it, I mean, it's I, not like that there. We like to have a, a lot of fun there, you know. So we have quite. It can be quite noisy sometimes. We have, you know, it's 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 not. I mean, we're working. We're lucky to be working with such a fun product. Yeah. So why be too serious about it? You know, I mean, we're very serious about the way that we the way that we work on the cars. But when customers come in, we you know we, we want to we want to show them the passion that we have for the cars yeah. and um and yeah we have a lot of fun with our customers and a lot of them have become friends and i know that, that sounds a sort of obvious thing you know a lot of people say that but it really is true so and it makes we we, we all work where you know we we'll put in a lot of hours and it just makes it a lot of fun it's 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 you know part of the refit was for the customers but a lot of it is also for the staff and you know we're sitting there a lot a lot of the yeah, you spend a lot, a lot of hours. A lot of your time yeah, there, yeah. Don't you? You want, so we you do. Don't wanna, yeah, we you don't want to be working in a in an old shithole. There. <laughs> no, no, and and it's and to be honest, we it was always going to be expensive to do the refit. And I, I my attitude is like, you know, it, you're going to have to spend lots and lots of money. So spend yeah. a bit more and just just take it to the you know, to make it absolutely as nice as you can and do it do it really well. And and that's sort of what we've done. And I think it. I've, you know the, the, that central area that we always end up sitting at you know the sort of yeah. coffee bar area yeah. if you like <laughs> most of our conversations with customers are done around that that coffee machine and that area mm. and 
it's not we we try not to you know uh, yes of course if you if you're going to do a finance proposal or start talking about money then it's very serious and and you need to maybe sit around a desk but the rest of the time it's either we're around cars or around the coffee bar and quite often there's more than one sales guy involved and quite often there's more than one customer involved people tend to group up and we have a, quite a lot of chats there and um yeah, it's good. It's, 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 it's a bit like a time vortex in, in the showroom there, honestly, <laughs> yeah. because, yeah, we, you know, we, you just get chatting to, well, even customers, yeah. to be fair. We've had some fantastic conversations with people that have just walked in. Um, but again, you guys, um, Jason and Jamie, who, who are in the showroom with you, you know, you're, you're all clearly passionate about the subject. You, you've all owned these cars as well. So yeah, you yeah. understand everything kind of behind the, the brand and yeah. what it's like to own. Um, so I mean these conversations just evolve and honestly I, I have lost a lot of time there that I didn't <laughs> yeah. realise then you walk out saying like bloody hell it's dark you know, honestly <laughs> yeah. yeah well sometimes I go home and my girlfriend says to me like yeah, have you had a busy day I said yeah it's been really busy I'm not quite sure what I've, <laughs> what I've achieved but it's been a lot of conversation you know and, yeah. and, and all of that yeah and, it, and it, it does lead on to sometimes some, some good business as well for us obviously <laughs> yeah. it is a business but, but uh, it's not you know Quite often when a customer first comes in, maybe because they've had other experiences at other dealers, you can see that they're trying to rush towards where, you know, to doing a deal or doing yeah. something. We yeah. try and slow it all down. We, we're almost like anti that. We're just like, this just just get to know us. Let's all get to know each other. And then yeah. we'll talk about cars in, a bit later. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun. We, we do enjoy it. Um, you know, and I'm, we're we're lucky that we can spend an afternoon with a customer, and I don't think that many main dealers, not just Porsche dealers, but any main dealers, have that time. You know, because I think that the numbers that they have to do mm. every month, um, you know, they, they're they're up against it. And I think a lot yeah. of times they they sort of think like, I've got a thirty minute slot, maybe I can stretch it to three quarters of an hour, but I've got loads of appointments in the diary. We we just don't do that. I mean, to, today actually we've got. Um, three cars going out today and that's we don't norm, we, we normally try not to not to have that happen but the, the, they're spaced out nicely and yeah. Jamie and Jay will get through it but I mean you know, Jay's legendary handovers we see the customer looking at the watch and think I really need to be getting off <laughs> oh, yeah. But, oh yeah yeah it's the other way around but, it's not yeah, the yeah. sales guy yeah, no, no, he, 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 he absolutely he won't let them go you know it's always over an hour to show them all the controls and <laughs> things really like that but yeah. quite yeah. often two or three yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. I've um yeah again you know I, I'm a big fan of Paragon you know that um and but I'm not sure if I've ever said I would I would love to buy a car from Paragon one day. Um, I've always kind we're of working wanted, on it. wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, getting there, we're getting there slowly, but the, the cars are kind of, re- they're amazingly well-prepared. I, I don't know any other business in, in the UK that prepares the cars to your standard. There's a lot that goes into them, and I think it's important to kind of get that across. Um, but when that when that day comes for me, and, and it will soon, maybe we won't get Jason to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I know he'll be listening to that. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm only joking, mate. But it's um, we'll come on shortly in terms of um, the kind of fluctuations within the market that you've seen over the near thirty years of Paragon's uh, existence. Uh, but I think it would be good, kind of before that, to just kind of um, make it clear to people listening at home the you call it the paragon difference on your site but i think it's important to make it clear that you your stock is all owned and bought by you there's no sale or return and i think that makes you quite different to 
everybody else out there? Yeah, I, I mean, it's we will probably over the course of a year we may sell one or two cars for, for a, a good friend or good customer yeah but it'll be the only reason we'll be doing that is it'll be something like a carrera gt or so, you know some obscure car that let's say obscure it really super expensive car yeah. that we can't really justify you know, because we've got limited yeah, funds. Yeah, because you could buy you wipe ten, out ten, ten, ten other cars yeah. for stock, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah, but, but, but yeah. as a rule, we won't do seller return. And it's and it mainly it's because we want to prepare the cars as I would want a car for myself. Yeah, and so I'm, you've got... I'm, to, I'm super fussy. You want I to like, invest yeah, some money into that car. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and you could never expect an owner to let us spend that money on their car because if we didn't sell it, then we'd be hitting them with and saying, well, you owe us 5,000 quid for the preparation. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't sell your car. So it just doesn't work. You yeah. know? So also we, we, we like to keep things really, really simple. And it's, it's, we want to buy a car and once we buy it, we can do whatever we want with it. So yeah. if for instance, uh, you know, a lot of our customers, as I said, are friends and we are insured to do unaccompanied test drives for people that we know and trust and previous customers, we wouldn't do it the first time we meet someone um, and for, for a couple of reasons, A, because we don't know them, but also because we want to see how they drive the car and we also want to demonstrate the car to them. But if we've got a customer that's coming in and uh, his car's in for an MOT or a service or, and, uh, you know, and, and he's had a string or she's had a string of cars, we may want to say, here's the keys, take that out for 20 minutes or whatever, half an hour. And you can't do that with if you don't own the car. It's not yeah. fair to the to the owner. Um, but mainly it's because of the preparation. You know, we want to we want to prep them to our standards. And every car is prepped to exactly the same standard. So if we're selling a Boxster at £12,000 or a Carrera GT or, you know, whatever yeah. car, yeah. they're all prepared to the same standards. We don't have uh, two-tier sort of systems. So. Yeah. And a lot of it's cosmetic as well, but... But uh, every car that we buy, we spend money on, and obviously some we spend an absolute fortune on, but mm. but some some are less. But um, we we like to do all of that and get the car fully prepared before we then show it to a customer. Yeah, and and that's like again, I I said we did a virtual fried eggs nine nine six thing last January, and I spoke to you and um, Jason and Jamie uh, for it, and I said on the broadcast there, Paragon's the only company I would buy a car from blind. And uh, someone I know who was watching, he thought, well, you know, Lee, that's a bit bit strong. You know, they they clearly look very good, but that's that's very strong words indeed. Um, <laughs> he actually went and bought a 996 Turbo from you later that year, last year, blind as well. And he, right. I got a really, really nice email <laughs> from him to say, I didn't believe you at first, but just through manner of like lockdowns and this and that, um, that's what I've I've gone and done. And I think that's kind of the difference in terms of, when you know a car is well prepped, if you know the car, like, you know, as in, uh, say, that was a 996 Turbo, if you know what a 996 Turbo per se is about and you know that it's for sale at your place, it's going to be a good car, you don't really necessarily need to see it. Perhaps if you've not been exposed to a Turbo before, you might want to drive it to understand the Turbo experience and whatnot. Um, but that's massive. And I suppose to get to that point for you guys there's a lot of uh, maybe a bit more hard work at the start of the process because if somebody turns up with a car that they'd like to sell because you're buying it, you might say, well, I've, I've seen before actually, we're like, we, we, we can't buy this car. 
xyz you know service history is not quite there or whatever um, but as you say once you do get the car you go through it exactly as you would like your own cars to be and then that gives others confidence because you know the car if you're selling a car sor how much do you really know you can do an inspection and whatnot but how yeah. much do you like really know about the car that's, yeah that's right and, yeah. and also when you're putting your money into a car you 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 know it's you absolutely do all of the inspections and all the due diligence that you can do yeah, you up to. front. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it takes us a while to buy a car. And quite often, uh, you know, we try to buy all the cars on site. We don't, we try not to travel because then we've got the backup of all the technicians and the ramps. And, you know, if, if we're not sure, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, mainly it's Jamie and myself that buy the cars and both of us have worked there. Well, Jamie's been there 28 years and I was there from the start. So we, we pretty much know most of the things, but occasionally you might want to call our second opinion or, or a technician or whatever. Um, definitely checking like rev ranges on manual cars and things. So. It is a risk as well from that, you know, and other people in the industry, I think it's fair to say, have shown that the model can work for them yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but but it, from the outset at face value, it's it's risky because as a, as a business, you're attaching your name to somebody else's car, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's you have to really know the car. It's not necessary. Also, this is, I, I had a conversation with a guy about three or four years ago and we actually sort of shook hands and he said, Look, your cars aren't for me. He said, because obviously we, we, we do all this preparation. There's a price attached to it. We're not the cheapest. So if someone's yeah. like looking for the cheapest version of something. Don't come to Paragon. You know, it isn't the place to go for the cheapest. And this chap said, look, I live in London. I don't look after my cars. And actually this is wasted on me. The preparation, the cosmetic preparation is wasted on me. And yeah. I said, well, that's what we do. Yeah. And yeah. we're not doing it. As I say, we won't do it any other way. And he said, well, I think I'm better with a car that's got wheel, wheel scrapes on it and, and, and bumpers that are, that are you know, have to because they're going to be yeah. in six months' time, it's going to look like that. Yeah. And I sort of had to agree with him. For the first time, I sort of thought, actually, I can see the other side of this, you know. And, and now, he wouldn't have had all the stuff we do underneath, which we do more underneath than we do cosmetically. You know, mm -hmm. when I look at our spend, it's always more in the workshop. Yeah. And we look for trouble, you know, that's, that's the difference if, you know, I've worked in other garages and I know, you know, I keep, keep eyes on, and, you know, I walk in and out of other dealerships and I know that certain people put their rose tinted glasses on when they're, when they're doing a sales service, if you like, mm -hmm. we look for trouble. So we look for the water hoses and the coffin arms on these cars. And, we, yeah. you know, we're looking to, it sounds crazy, but we are looking to spend money on them because we want, we want them to go out mm. the best they can. And, yeah. you know, it's, it sounds to me like you're looking to make the car you know, as good as you can for the next five years rather than somebody else might be, I can get it out the door through the MOT and it'll be fine for the year's warranty. Yeah, you're right. And when I look at, you know, I do look at the numbers, obviously we are a business. Um, so I do look at the numbers and sometimes the, f the first time that we've reconditioned a car to Paragon standards, we make no money on it. You know, we, we, you know, the workshop and make some money and mm. everything else. But if you actually looked at it, you think, well, that deal actually, you, you know, Got you, wasn't yeah. great. Now, if that customer keeps the car for 18 months and we take it back either as a part exchange or whatever, the second time we deal with it, we make money on it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's prepped to Paragon standards once and the second time it, it can sell through yeah. without a huge bill attached to it. You yeah. Know, because, yeah. Because we spent so much the first time. Sure, like. for the, so, for the so long term. We're always looking yeah. for that. You know, the best thing for us is that we sell 
an existing customer one of our cars and take back a part exchange. Mm. That's that they're the best deals that we can yeah. do. You know? yeah. So where the, the the setup that you do, um, as you say, you know, you, you invest a lot of time and effort and ultimately money into these cars. How has the rise of online auctions affected that? Surely that's kind of got in the way a little bit. In, initially, yes. Um, and, you know, I'm not anti online auctions at all. I just, I'm not anti, you know, other dealers. I, 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 I like it. Um, but I just, people just need to go into things with their eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether they're buying from an online auction or whether they're buying privately or from a, a dealer that does less preparation, as long as they actually know what they're buying and, and they, you know, that that's fine. What, what, where I find it, a bit annoying is sometimes when people think that it's is like for like and it absolutely yeah, isn't yeah. um now obviously some of some of the cars that go on in in auction whether it's online or or whatever um are cars that that are very well known in the motor trade and they're being dumped through an auction and that's because you know dealers like us won't touch them yeah but I have bought some cars online because there's some, you know, some there's of the cars are great cars yeah. as well. So it's as long as you know what you're buying, um, where, where it was, you know, it, it, obviously because certain auctions have, you know, nice photographs and it's presented nicely. I think yeah. sometimes people get lulled into this false sense of security and think it all looks great. Yeah. But photographs of cars and actually physically in doing an inspection on a car, you know. I mean, I wouldn't buy, you know, we wouldn't buy anything either personally or, or for, for stock uh, sight unseen. You know, you've got, you've got to go and see it or, if, or get an expert to, you know, inspect it or whatever. And, and, and it surprises me how many people will just click away on a Sunday evening and, and, just, and <laughs> get, buy. Get carried know. away. And, and I wonder if, I think now, that you know, on a few forums and things like that, a few people are now talking about, a year into that purchase and how much it's cost them and things like that. And, no, you know, good, it's, yeah. it's hard to know how much a car's cost you until you've bought it, owned it yeah. and sold it, you yeah. know, because that's the true cost of, of ownership, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Buy, buy in haste, repent at leisure, yeah. as a good friend yeah. said, and that, yeah. that kind of comes down to that for me. Um, has the art of buying and selling cars changed in the 30 years? And if so, how? Definitely has changed. Yeah. Um, I can remember when the lady from the auto trader used to come with her in <laughs> a Polaroid camera and <laughs> take the pictures. <laughs> Jamie would, uh, would drive them out and then duck under the steering wheel while she took the picture. <laughs> and, she used and it to, would be that just one grainy yeah, picture yeah, that's yeah. less than a half inch square, <laughs> isn't it? It's you nuts. could hardly even see what the shape of the car was, yeah. could you? It's yeah. all in black and white, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I then mean, acronym central. Yeah, <laughs> it was a slow change up until COVID, and then we've really, you know, we really felt old because we suddenly had to go. What's Zoom and what's this <laughs> and what's that? You know, and so so, but which, yeah, it has changed. Um, I still think that with Porsche, you know, we're working with Porsche. People are still want to, you know, buying it with their heart. So yeah, maybe it's changed. Um, that maybe people are confident enough to buy the car and only meet it when they're collecting it um, from us. I like to think that's because of the reputation, but maybe that's slightly changed. But I still think that, you know, it's an emotive purchase. And I still think, you you know, you need to come and have a look and drive the cars and things. So it, it, it's probably changing around us, but we're probably dinosaurs and we're trying to, trying to hang on to doing it in the old-fashioned yeah. way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't really know. <laughs> so... 
obviously in the in the 30 years we're going back to because it, it will be 30 years in in 2024 yeah that'll be 30 yeah. years wow. of paragon so um i mean the value of these cars has changed kind of inextricably really yes has yeah. that kind of brought with it a different type of buyer i assume particularly for like the the low production number or gt cars um no, not. I haven't really noticed it. I mean, we, we definitely when classics started going up, we had a few people that weren't that were there weren't car people coming into the garage, yeah, um, and buying air cooled cars, and so, and it was a really scary when they would say, "Tell me what I should buy," and you think, "Oh God, just, <laughs> this person just wants to make money," and yeah. and we're not about that. We are, we, you know, we 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 want owners to drive their cars. So, um, but that that sort of that that that's um stopped really in in about 2017 18 because that seemed to be you know the that was a sort of peak of the air cooled for a while although they're starting to pick up again but i don't think at the scary rate that they did from from 2012 to sort of 17 um we main most of the people that we sell to are are enthusiastic drivers um, which is, you know, ideal. It's what is perfect for yeah, us. Yeah, that's your yeah. prime yeah, customer yeah, base, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, a few, a few of them have collections, and that's quite interesting. So obviously, they can't drive them all, you know, that much. So if, if we look after a few collections, and you know, um, Pete that runs the service department will quite often have. Um, we've got a few customers that will bring one car in and then swap for the next car, swap for the next car. You know, so we they rotate their whole collection for for a service, which yeah. is. Uh, which is good. But yeah, the, the, most of our customers are real enthusiastic drivers. What seems to be like the car of the moment currently in terms of, you know, every, it's a sweet spot. Everybody's. If I could on. buy, you know, a, a dozen cars today yeah. and I had to pick one model, I think it would be a 997 Generation 2. Okay. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. So I, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, you guys saying that, and again, your stock reflected that. And, I think kind of looking around at what other enthusiasts are into, the 991.1 is kind of, at first, when that car first came out, everyone was saying that car Mm. is too big, it's too kind of grand tour rather than sports car and whatnot, but particularly the Gem 1s with the naturally aspirated engine, they seem to be like really kind of sought after. Yeah, a bit of a renaissance in them yeah, in some ways. Which yeah, which is kind of crazy considering how young those cars still are, you know. And you, you guys have had some lovely like GTS, Carmine Red cars in, yeah, in yeah. stock of late. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely fair to say that certain people will, you know, a 2015 GTS yeah. is, a, is a really good, great um, car as well. Um, but the, the 997 has already you know is already being viewed as a classic car yeah and, so, and there's quite a few people that think they want an air-cooled car and then when they drive them they they don't get on with the pedals and they don't get on with the driving position and and so i think a lot of people are, are viewing that as their classic car mm-hmm. you know so we are you know 99 you know 907 i mean if we could have a a manual uh gts 997 that's that's a pretty special car now you know and that yeah. can be worth a lot of money i mean you could get you know a really good one of those is nearly eighty thousand yeah. pounds you know which is that's incredible a lot of money yeah. isn't it? it's, but it's yeah. incredible you know for for a carrera derivative that's yeah. kind of a modern classic yeah. still it's not like an, an yeah. air-cooled car yeah it's that close that to gt3 money isn't it, it is it really? yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. The, the, the numbers for for manual 997 carreras they're so low you'll probably yeah because the pdk gearbox was so 
you know, yeah, it was, it was, thing, it was it? really yeah. the thing. Yeah. Like, you know, and every salesman was sort of saying, oh, you've got to kind of try this. Yeah. That was yeah. almost yeah. like the option that you've got to have. Otherwise, yeah. you, your, the resale value of your car will be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. How wrong were they? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same with, I, I listened to podcasts the other day and the Ferraris that were manual of that yeah. era are worth like double, double yeah you know it's crazy isn't it because yeah. again someone would have said are you sure sir are you sure you don't want the f1 gearbox yeah, <laughs> yeah God. it's amazing really because they were the you would probably be looked as being a bit of a cheapskate when yeah. you bought that new yeah to have it have it as a manual rather than the the automatic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. crazy yeah, Christ. Okay, how um, as as these cars, uh, the reference the nine eleven has kind of got bigger and, and whatnot, and and obviously the nine nine two with all its kind of technology. You said that a lot of your customers are enthusiasts. Is the is the nine nine two been a harder sell for those those people, particularly the early ones that were kind of PDK only, the S's and whatnot? I we don't we haven't done enough of them to really have a good feel of it at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's quite new for us. You know, we've got one in stock at the moment, so it's not, it's, I can't really say. Um, I definitely feel that some of our customers, including myself, are, are a, a bit lost on some of the, the digitalization of the dashboards and all yeah, the yeah. configuration of it, you know, because yeah. 911's always been quite a simple car. Yeah. Um, you know, being, being in the motor trade for my whole life, I've never had to jump, I've never had to learn a car. I can just jump in a higher car and go. Mm. Or, or, you know, if I'm at the airport or something like that. And, and all of a sudden now I'm finding, you know, you have to sit in the car and work out how to, how, how to put the heater on and off and things like that. So I'm, I, I definitely feel that, that there's a sort of the old school would prefer to have buttons and not touch screens. Yeah. Um, the car itself is, yeah, it's a, it's a bit bigger. You soon get used to it, don't you? I think. Yeah. It's a phenomenal all rounder is my kind of, um, opinion of the 992 and it, and it really does. It's, it's remit is so wide now, wider than any 911 before one car can really do everything. Yeah. Um, but I think the caveat to that is it takes away a little bit of that kind of special feeling when you sit behind the wheel. Um, like Andy, when you get your 993 out in the morning, it's a special occasion when you get in that car, yeah. you're in that car because you're going for, you know, a driving, you're not going to the shops, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas a 992, you can sort of do everything and, and 992s have sold in great numbers around mm. the world, but I feel, and, and I think a few people share this opinion, they're not necessarily enthusiasts. Obviously there are some, but it yeah. tends to be, but know, has, a bit like Panamera been, drivers. Has that not or, been true of every new 911 to a certain extent? But it's kind of, you know, every time a new, when 997s came out, that was seen as more as your daily driver. But I guess that the, the extension of all the technology has mean that, that that gets further away from your special car each each time mm. a new 911 comes out. But it, it always has been like the new one is more usable than the previous one. Yeah. But I guess we're just getting further and further. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Mark. I, I well, think with Panameras and, and whatnot, that's opened kind of Porsche up to a new audience. And then yeah. they're also going, oh, by the way, we've got this sports car that we've made for 60 years. And yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, okay. That's my my feeling on yeah. it. Is it is it, but it's is not it an just enthusiast? A, I think car? it's not just a nine nine two thing. I think it's always happened each time, but that each time it it gets bigger. Yeah, the the, the, further, the difference further, further away. away. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree yeah. with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I think everyone should have a nine eleven from every decade, really. 
in their collection. <laughs> <laughs> Just build more garages. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, this, this is why I think some of our customers that have 991s and 992s will buy some form of classic 911 because I do feel that, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's not necessarily a car that you'd just go for a drive in, if you like. Whereas, Agreed. you know, yeah. so, so yeah, that's why I think that some, yeah, a lot of our customers have come in and say, well, I fancy something that's really raw and it, whether it's, whether it's as raw as an air cooled car or as I say, a, a 997. Yeah. I think that's, you know, getting back to the, the values mm. of those increasing and things. Obviously, the problem that we had with the 997, is, that was in the banking recession, those cars. So they didn't. Alive. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a, a lull in, in, in UK registrations, wasn't there? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what cars are you talking about, your collection? Have you every decade? Um, <laughs> well, I haven't got every decade. No, I no, just, no. I, that's what I would recommend. Would recommend, yeah. <laughs> um, can you share with us what you've what you're currently tooling around with? What have you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've. So I've got my Rubystone Red. I've got this Rubystone Red RS that oh, I should lovely. have. I should have bought. I think it was about ten or twelve years ago. Uh, and a friend of mine that was that's in the motor trade, a classic car dealer, had it in stock. Yeah. And at the time, they you know. RSs were eighty or ninety thousand pounds, <laughs> and he had this car. And I can't think of the numbers, but it was oh, it was the wrong side of a hundred thousand pounds. But it was five thousand miles from new UK Rubystone car, and I just thought, oh, so want it. You know? yeah. And I phoned him, and I just sort of was a bit mean with my offer, and it didn't happen. And and I was sort of thinking about phoning him again, and then it was sold. Which at the time I thought oh, I was a relief. It saved, <laughs> saved me, you know. Anyway, it's, it's From sold. Sleepless nights. Yeah, it's, it's sold to a friend of mine, uh, um, a Christian, and he he had it, and, this, and, and I saw him with it and things at a few shows and stuff. And I said, like, if ever you want to sell it, I'd love it. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, he ordered a roof, oh, wow. a new one, yeah, yeah, which is amazing. And uh, and and he said, look, I, I might sell the Rubystone car and he's always wanted my I had a 964 uh, race car but which we built from a from a road car which we did some Porsche club racing in and he wanted that and there's yeah. a new series started um, in oh I know uh, Christian yeah, yeah. he's at uh, Brands Hatch that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so he had a use for that and, and I, I obviously wanted his car so we we, we ended up doing a, an exchange deal where I had to give him a lot more money than it was <laughs> 10 years ago well. and i had to give my car as well so. yeah. <laughs> but it's great because I, I you know i love the fact he's he's still driving that car in our colors and all of yeah. that so we're yeah. still involved in it as well so it's, it's really worked for both of us and so my rubystone car is you know the car that this like the sun's out today and i probably should have been braver and come down in that but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah that's that's the car i want to put some miles on this year yeah yeah so that's your jewel yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, I've, I've also got an '89 Turbo, five-speed Turbo, which um, guards which red. Yeah, guard, yeah, pro, proper, yeah, <laughs> proper poster yuppie, car. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yuppie car. Yeah, so I want to use that as well. But um, I think the Rubystone car is more usable because it's because of the brakes and things like that. You know, yeah. it's, uh, you have to be a little bit more careful driving cars without abs and and all that sort of thing well well, again you know in terms of practicing what you preach and you encourage your customers to drive the cars Mm. and we spoke about this away from the mics that um yeah you said you must drive this ruby stone car which actually was featured under christian's tenure in 2011 a few years ago and then i jumped in and the mileage was like six nine nine four or something (laughs) yeah 
and I kind of said to you, are you sure it's about to go over into 7K? And when, as we said, when miles are so diminutive, every mile counts. Yeah, and you were yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Well, I took it to Goodwood a couple of weeks ago and it was a bit of a miserable day. And, and, and I actually, you know, I had to really uh, sort of take a deep breath and, and, and tell myself actually, you know, because I obviously signed it on and I thought, oh, it might not, it might not pass a noise test thing. I almost, <laughs> I think in the back of my mind was hoping it didn't because then I had, <laughs> had an excuse just to drink coffee all day. <laughs> but it did pass the noise test, so, so uh, which at Goodwood's quite hard. Yeah. Um, so then I did a few laps in it and then I sort of relaxed in it, you know, and, and I, I think the more I use the car, I, I will relax. I just, I, I might have to put a bit of sticky tape over the speedo reading. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't see it. <laughs> it's, it's always a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? When you well, it is if you're a used car dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely ticking in the back of your mind, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. There's a couple of quid off. <laughs> <laughs> horrible it's happy, it happened at work sometimes when they when they know i was sort of i mean most of the cars i've got now are my cars you know when i say my cars i mean they're not ever for sale I'm, mm. i've bought them i sort of honed my collection to cars that aren't for sale yeah but before that they've known at work when that i might sell something yeah yeah and uh and Jay's the worst one for it. He'll sort of tee up a customer for him. <laughs> I think Mark might sell this. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you'll, go, you'll go in and, 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 and all the contents of your car are neatly piled up on your desk. And you think, <laughs> mm, this isn't so good. And, and they've said, did you want your car cleaned? And then the next thing, <laughs> you so haven't got the car anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing, yeah. Did you have a busy day yesterday? Yes, I sold your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. But I, quite, I, I actually like hunting for cars. I think that's probably the nicest part of my job. I really love yeah it's great you know, isn't it? finding things yeah I really I, enjoy that I, I I bought a speedster the other day from a guy and he'd owned it for 26 years and you know went to his house and and and, and chatted to him for an hour and yeah. I really wanted to find out what he'd done and I mean he told me he said oh, the radio's only been on once he said because I, I needed to know what the football score was or something yeah. you know? <laughs> oh he said God. so I pulled over on it and he knew exactly when and he switched it on once and all of this sort of news <laughs> and you think it's just amazing isn't it yeah. but yeah but yeah so I took that and and that felt and I like to I, I, I like to own a trailer so I went there you know the, the other side of Birmingham had a few coffees with him found out all the history and yeah. you know and, and then and then bought the car, did the deal, and, and strapped it on the trailer. And that, that's, for me, that's the best working day. I love that. I love going out <laughs> yeah. and, and bringing and something back something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. both uh, personally and professionally, has it got harder finding good cars in the last few years? Uh, it's, it, it's harder to find something that nobody else knows about. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, because it, cause obviously the whole, you know, the whole world knows about most, you know, it's yeah. all very Information much. Information overload. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's harder to do that. But there still are a few occasions where you're, I mean, again, what, what helps us is that we'll write a check. Yeah, we well, I say write a check. That's old fashioned, isn't it? We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll make a bank transfer. Yeah. You know, so, so something like that. It's quite a valuable car, a Speedster, you know, an 89 Speedster. And, um, most people that, that that he'd spoken to were trying to sell it on a commission basis. Yeah, uh, he he had agonised for three years. I'd been speaking to him on and off about selling this car. Um, he then needed it to be a really nice, clean transaction. He didn't want to not have his car and not have the money. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that you know the money's in his bank before yeah. we. Talk about putting it on the trailer yeah. and, and all of that. You know, he respects that, and I th I do think that that does help us. 
you know, buy, uh, buy yeah, the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah because real. people will know that we we're, we're, we're talking about money. You know, it's a real offer, and yeah. we're, we're gonna, yeah. they're going to have the money. I've got, than, a, I've got a bit of thing about those G body speedsters. I really like them. Yeah, you're yeah. not keen at all, are you? I struggle with 911 speedsters. Yeah. I think a speedster should be a 356. I, I like the 32 best out of all of them. Okay. Um, yeah. I can't get on with the 997 or the 991. I just think mm. those cars are so far removed from what a Porsche speedster should be yeah. that I, I, oh, I really struggle like with it. Particularly oh, the 991. God. It looks too long and elongated and yeah. a bit. Uh, you're, you know, wrong, funny. you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> so, what's this, the speedster that you've got? Is it, is it Guards Red? Yeah, Guards Red. Um, I mean, it's quite weird because I looked at the uh, the sort of pictures of it and, and it isn't ha- how I would spec one, but it's strange because the sun was out yesterday and it's in the show where we sold already. We didn't right. actually get to advertise it. Yeah. Um, because uh, Jay, <laughs> Jay does his thing. <laughs> Jay goes quiet, and you know he's just like telling all of his customers that this is what you need. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, so it's gone to an existing customer, which is great, you know, because it, it means we, we love it because a we see it for in the in in the workshop for yeah. service, but also it give, you know selfishly it gives us another chance if that guy ever wants to sell it, and we're yeah. going to get it back hopefully. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's got white centers to the fouche wheels. It's Ooh, it's cool. got it's it. Uh, deleted uh, badges if whatever you know yeah. so it hasn't got the speedster badge on the on the boot lid and then and then it's got like a cream uh, or linen leather sports seats now that i wouldn't have thought that i would that would be my kind of thing but yeah. i have to say it looks so good it looks really really good is it narrow body or wide body wide body yeah, yeah. there's hardly any narrow body cars were they like yeah. a friend of mine once had a narrow body car they look quite nice but oh no. is there more Wide bodies than there is narrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. The, um, the yeah. narrow, they are extremely rare. 964 okay. wow. were narrow bodied. And they, uh, did they do? They, they did a few they wide bodied. A few through exclusive wide bodied yeah. 964. Wow. It was the other way around with yeah. G Series. God, it's amazing, isn't it? All the, yeah. the, these sort of bits that you'd yeah. learn over the years. Mm. Th- this car had its original number plates on. So not oh. only the original number, but the physical original number yeah. plates. Yeah. And I was chatting to the guy, as I say, that had it for 26 years. And he said, oh, they kept, because the front one had quite a few stone chips on the number plate. And he said, oh, they kept asking me, do I want to replace it? And it's all, I love nerdy stuff. Like yeah. That, you know? yeah. 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 That is so, cool. uh, yeah, no, it's really cool. Oh, really what a little cool. gem. Really lovely car. Yeah. yeah. Um, of all of, like, we were talking earlier about, you know, you, you, <laughs> Jamie would sell, sell your cars for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, Going through the years, what cars you've sort of personally owned? Are there any sort of ones that you wish that you'd never got rid of that hadn't that Jamie hadn't sold for? Yeah, you? a couple of <laughs> uh, yeah, a few. I mean, it, it, for, forgetting the you know, forgetting the fact that we sold a right-hand drive nine nine three GT two for one hundred and forty grand, you know, <laughs> and thought that was the best deal we'd wow, ever done. You know, wow. forgetting Time's forget, changed. So, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, forgetting the monetary side. I mean, yeah. the, the peppermint green three point six turbo I had. Um. I wish I'd never sold um, for two yeah. reasons. One is, uh, one is because, you know, it, it was the start of, you know, let's say the start of Paragon that, that you know, we literally, it was six months before we started and that's why we've got the green in our colours and yeah. the green on our race cars and things. And secondly, because the guy we sold it to smashed it to bits <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a one of one car, yeah, you know, yeah, and you just think, yeah. oh, it's a bit of a shame. A shame that Although I have heard it's back on the road, but I'm not quite sure if, if it should <laughs> it be. <wasn't. laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I guess cars, I, I'm, I'm not really someone that looks 
back you know back and thing i mean i've definitely bought cars again a second you know because i had a ruby stone red right hand drive rs yeah um which we sold for thirty four nine nine five, which Just I actually the, think is your friend's car now. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's local to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that I, I own that car. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, but you know, it's we are car dealers. So you know, and when, when people say, "I bet you wish you hadn't sold that," you say, "Well, you have to remember that." we it's, had to circulate the money you know yeah, we, yeah. We, no, it's worth what it's worth yeah yeah so definitely you know we we, we yeah. sold a delivery mileage carrera gt uh for two hundred and thirty-five thousand pounds. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's talking about the monetary side yeah that's yeah. the monetary side yeah, the, there's yeah. loads of those i'm sure but yeah the, yeah is there any particular car that's like yeah i should never have sold that one that should, I should that should still be in my garage today. Well, the the, the mint green the mint green turbo, you know, for, forgetting what they've done money uh, money wise, but that that car, I actually didn't really want to sell it. I, I can't remember why I sold it if I'm if I'm honest. But yeah. um, hmm. but I had some good memories with it because yeah. I was you know I used it for two years. I used it and I remember I drove down to Spa when I was racing a couple yeah. of times in it. So actually, I, th- I think unless you've used a car. And you know, and you have memorable yeah. experiences with it. That you know, to me, that it doesn't really gel. And unless mm. it's all, it's all about what you you know, where you go and what you've done in it and things like that. So, so yeah, that's a. Key, I think a race real, cars for that's me. That's a real are, key thing, isn't it? Is that the car that you really miss is something that you'd used and got memories in. Yes, it's not yeah. something that had made loads of money or <laughs> or lost lots of money. This is so, why yeah. I've got a load of old, my old racing cars because um, so I've got my old 3.2 Carrera it's my first ever 911 race car yeah um, which was originally an SC but we then converted it to a 3.2 Carrera because we wanted to be in a different class uh, I bought it as an SC um, not realising that uh, the next the, the, obviously the guy that sold it as an SC knew that the classes were being restructured <laughs> <laughs> had you <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> So, um, so it then became, you know, a classic. They did Porsche Classic then, and I wanted to be in the club championship. So we then converted it to a three-two career, so I could get back into where I wanted to be with it. But yeah, so I've ended up with that car, and it's probably one of the worst examples. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a 1978 Shell, if you like, or SC. It was a 180 horsepower SC um, that we've converted, but it's had it had it been racing since '84, and everyone had abused it you know <laughs> so i bought that car in 94 so it already had 10 years of racing and uh been bashed a load of times and then i bashed it loads <laughs> uh then sold it to a friend he crashed it it caught fire with him he then sold it to another one of our friends if you like and he he gave it to his son who crashed it and his daughter who crashed it and then i've had it back i think it's 20 owners you know (laughs) and and if you look underneath it when it's on the ramp it looks you know there's a few ripples and buckles in it and things but it shows it's yeah yeah but you know it corner weight when we put it on the ramp on the uh, alignment and corner weight scales the car's lovely and it it, 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 it's the door gaps aren't lovely and things but but, but i can't i mean we could easily restore it 
but the best way to restore it would be to reshell it, and I don't want to do it because mm, it is yeah. just what it, you know, mm. it's got all that it's history. It's got history, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I, that's a car that... that um, so that was your first race? Yeah. No, I didn't keep car. that car. It's gone around and I bought it back. I yeah. bought it back in 2011 and, right. and did one year's... And we won the championship in 2011 with it, so that was quite cool as well. And now it's just retired and occasionally I'll, like, do a track day in it or something. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah there's... Because, um, cool. yeah, we, we should um, come on to your... Yeah, your race cars because yeah there's there's some phenomenal cars in there um i think first of all i want to ask you what it's like driving a gt1 race car because that's something that very few people will be able to um comment on yeah i mean it's yeah absolutely amazing car because the weird thing with the gt1 is when you sit in it you're in you're in a 911 i know it doesn't look from the outside much like a 911 but once you're sitting in it you've got 911 gauges in front, you know, you're in a left-hand drive 993, yeah. uh, the windscreen, and, you know, it just it feels like a 911. Mm. Um, but everything else, obviously the front end of that car is a 993, and then they, just under the driver's seat is where the sort of road car bit finishes, and then behind you it's more like a 962. It's a sort of space frame thing with the engine um, right behind you, and then the gearbox out the back. Um, the gear change is probably the best you'd ever feel. It feels like a Formula Ford. It just clicks into each gear. It's beautiful. It's an H-pattern, normal six-speed box. Um, It feels, I mean, the best Porsche race car I've ever driven was my 962 because that car had so much downforce. It was phenomenal. Um, The GT1 feels faster. It's not faster over a lap. It's slower. But it feels faster because at the, for the rules for GT1, they got rid of all of the uh, ground effects. So it has, you know, it has some big spoilers on it and front lip spoiler and, you know, big tail on the back and things. So it's got downforce, mm. but it hasn't got ground effects. Yeah. Um, so it makes it feel faster because it's got less grip. Yeah. So your 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 terminal speed is higher, but then you need to slow down more for the corners. So it's a busy car, and mm. it's got big carbon brakes on it. So once they're warm, it's got much. You know, it's it's a fierce car to drive. It it it, it it's it feels like a very fast mechanical grip car, whereas the Group C car is a real aero car. Yeah, I know there's obviously some aero to the GT one, but a lot less. Yeah, um, I've never raced it sadly, which. Um, you know, because there was nothing to race it in and we didn't have any spares for it. So it's too precious to sort of, yeah. you know, you can't really buy spare parts for the car. Uh, but I did about 20 hours of track driving with it and, you know, and, and it's, it was great fun. Um, it's great to see it like the iconic PlayStation livery as well. It's changed its yeah. livery since you've, you've sold it. And I've sold it to- uh, last year. Yeah. When well, my friend uh, Lee Max Page sold it for me, um, and it's gone to a great home. A guy that's that's fortunate enough to have. I mean, there were three car, three cool cars to have. You know, the, the Mercedes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then the obviously the, the, the McLaren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think pretty much all of them did. I mean, Porsche did as well, didn't they? Yeah, one yeah. one meet, I think, in and America. That's, that's yeah. got a real sort of. It's iconic. The flipper. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I spoke to Peter Dunbreck because uh, I'm doing the two liter cup now, and he's yeah. working for Tuttle. Um, oh, for Richard that. Tuttle yeah. he's, he's sort of looking after uh, Richard Tuttle's race car hmm. division if you like so he's looking after the drivers and, and everything so when we did two litre cup at Estoril last year I was chatting to him and it was really interesting to sort of get his whole take and 
you know, because um, he sort of blacked out for a while when, I mean, he's really lucky how he landed. Yeah, and yeah. Things, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to sort of chat to him about, about yeah. that. But yeah, so, so the guy's got all three now. He's got the McLaren, he's got my car, but he's, he's so right. my car was, it finished its racing. I mean, it only had 18 months racing career, my, my car or his car now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So it started off as a Conrad car, which is quite a nice livery. Um, it then went to Marlborough livery, and then PlayStation was its third livery. And, and the, the new owner is, is um, painted has now painted it as a Marlborough car. Right, it looks really nice. Mm. I'm sort of glad he has because the PlayStation um, car no longer exists. So yeah. I, haven't, I haven't got a bump into it, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is quite nice because it, it doesn't, although it, I, I've seen it, I went to Lee's the other day and I saw it and it, and it didn't, it just didn't look like my car. Oh, that's, that's quite you know, nice. Which is nice. Ways. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I obviously didn't really want to sell it, but I also didn't, I'm not very good at owning, well, A, it became very valuable and B, I couldn't race it, you know, I can't, yeah. and, and it feels a bit, you know, I had a lot of experiences with it, but they were all, you know, I, I sort of finished with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you've got to do that though, haven't you? Sort of, you've got to let things go when it's yeah, time. Yeah. When it's time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't hold on to yeah. everything. And and because of, you know, part, part of the funds from that sale, I, I bought a really exciting 993 GT2 Evolution. Oh, fantastic. Which is a really cool car. And that car I can race. There's a, there's a historic series now. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're restoring it at the moment, but when that car's finished, you know, I'll race it and, yeah. and, and, and drive it really hard. And, and it appeals to me a little bit more because, A, the, the, you know, the, the money side of things, it's not as valuable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but mainly, you know, there's a good race series for it with a, a dozen other GT2s in. Yeah, so, so you can actually really use good. it, yeah. And you can buy parts for it, you know. There's yes, no, there's, absolutely. They're, 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 they're a bit more production-based, that car. So yeah. you can, you know, if we need to buy spares we can buy them yeah yeah, which is important when you go racing absolutely yeah Yeah, that must have been a scary proposition with a gt1 in the yeah everything you did to it was i had one spare windscreen uh and it had a crack in the original screen and i I just wouldn't put the new because yeah 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 yeah, i just thought no no i'll leave that so i think that's now been put in it but yeah yeah no i mean you know if 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 money was no object obviously i wouldn't have sold it yeah 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 You've got a fantastic story that I'd love for you to share on our podcast regarding your 996 race car, because you owned that twice, did you not? Yeah. And it was completely yeah. serendipitous. So, so, I, so in 1996, I was racing a 993 in the Porsche Club Championship. And the guy that was also racing a 993 in the Championship, a guy called Johnny Molam, that was racing for AFN, as it was then. And... He at the end of the season he won the season, he won the championship and um, and at the end of the season um, AFN decided they wanted to take on Super Cup with him and Tim Harvey uh, but they still wanted to have a presence apparently in the Porsche Club Series so they approached me through my friend Mike Jordan and said do you fancy driving the AFN car and we're going to build a nine nine uh, this new car. Yeah. Nine nine six. I said absolutely. So I had to take a bit of money, and and, and they were going to pay f- and own the car. So we went along with it. Mike Jordan ran the team that was going to build the car from a road chassis. Uh, so we went along with that, and then it all went a bit quiet, and it was we, we weren't getting any feedback from them. So 
it was around about sort of November time in and uh, anyway so I found out that they they for some reason they didn't want to race this car so I have a friend that lives in Stuttgart that used to work for Porsche so I phoned him up and said look can you get me a 996 so we ordered this car with absolutely no spec plastic dashboard you know the dealer couldn't work out why we wanted no spec at all <laughs> it was a super super early car really well. early car yeah really really early like um i don't know how he managed to get me a car so so quickly but anyway so we got that car um i think it was probably just in the new year and i went over there it was, i remember it was snowing and i, and I went over <laughs> to to stuttgart picked this car up and drove it back through the night because we, we were really up against it for, yeah you know, for, for, for getting it built into a race car. Yeah, so I bought it brand new, drove it back from Stuttgart, and then literally, as I arrived back, the guys were there ready, and we ripped it apart. <laughs> wow, it's a brand new car. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a bit. I don't know why, but I'd never raced anything left-hand drive, so we decided we wanted it right-hand drive. So not only did we need to build this new car that we'd never seen into a race car, which was most of that was Mike Jordan's problem, not ours, <laughs> uh, but we had to convert it from left to right-hand drive as well which I wish we hadn't because it, was, uh, it wasn't quite as easy as we thought it was going to be. <laughs> but yeah, so, so then, then went, you know, obviously raced that car. I raced it for two seasons. Um, the car itself was fantastic. We, had, we obviously were the, one of the first people to discover about the difference between a wet and a dry sump um, oh yeah yeah with the engine, engine. Yeah. yeah of course. So I remember, you know, I think our first race was Thruxton. And uh, I remember just going through church and Goodwood, the call, you know, long, 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 um, high speed corners. Yeah. And then it looked like a sort of James Bond thing. It was just all this smoke <laughs> coming out of the exhaust pipes, <laughs> which is fine if you're in the lead, I guess, because yeah, everyone else would have just had to wait. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it caused it, it caused us a lot of a lot of stress and a lot yeah. of problems trying to sort that out. Because uh, and then, of course, we soon worked out why. Porsche or AFN or whoever hadn't wanted us to do it, yeah, because yeah. Um, or want you know they because I think they'd realised that you know it was great a great street car but not so good for track days. So much up, up until that stage, you know any nine eleven you could just put sticky tyres on and different springs and dampers and go racing, and you mm. didn't have to modify the engines. This was the sort of first time that that the, the car hadn't been built for doing. Um, you know, track days or racing competition. So, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we did have um, have some problems with it. Um, I remember we went to spa with it, and I put my foot on the clutch, and it felt soft. So I sort of pumped the clutch, and then the gearbox fell out, <laughs> and a, a, a crack <laughs> a crack had appeared all the way around that bell housing, and 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 just just the gearbox that, fe- the gearbox what was the reason fell for off. That? Well, again, you know, um, Porsche said it must be something you've done type thing yeah. you know but then when the, we, we bought the new gearbox we actually sent it to gear track that, that built the gearbox and the new casing had ribs it came back a strength bit, bit different. Ribs. Oh, wow, so wow, it's completely different so we we were just you know the car as you say was so early yeah um you know and and, and we were obviously using it beyond what it was designed to be yeah, used yeah. for, I guess. Mm. But we, we, you know, you, you were confident with the earlier stuff that you could have done that. And, and you know, um, I think it's it's fair to say they had a few teething problems with the <laughs> very early 996s. But, um, but yeah, I, st- I mean, it was when it was good, it was great. You know, we, we won some races with it, but it wasn't reliable enough to win a championship. 
Mm. Uh, well, not until we brought it back about. <laughs> yeah, so, so talk to us about that because it's it's a pretty special story. After we'd had a couple of years with our nine six fours in in club in the club season, um, we were losing ground on other cars, and it were basically with the cars to win the club season in about uh, when was that two thousand seventeen eighteen I think it was with nine nine sixes. So I thought I was enjoying my club racing again and, and it's sort of what we could afford and everything else. So I thought I'd better build a 996. And then I saw one advertised. I think it was on like a Facebook page or something from someone I'd raced against in the past. And uh, I called him and just said, I'll oh, see so you've got your 996 and everything else. And uh, and he said, oh yeah, it's 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 uh, the, the garage I use, at, uh, they're based in Birmingham and Mike's near there. So I sort of phoned Mike and said, can you go and look at this car? I think it might be a good car for us to, to use. So he went to look at it and said, oh, yeah, I'm looking at the car. He said, do you know what this car is? I said, yeah, of course. I, you know, it's, it's this, that and the other. And he said, no, no, this is your car. This is the one we built all back in the day. And, and, and obviously bought it back. But I wasn't looking for my car. It just happened to be that just car. You know? Amazing. So that, yeah. So then Mike, Mike having prepared it, 10 no 20 years earlier is that 97 yeah, yeah, yeah 20 yeah. years Jeez. earlier you, you know he's scraping all the paint off and things and he's seeing all his work underneath it <laughs> wow. so he yeah. then re-prepped it for me and then we, we we won the club championship with it you know so so it took me basically yeah it took me 20 years <laughs> to win a championship <laughs> in a, it such an incredible story but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of the, the yeah. car found you really yeah it's yeah. really yeah. odd yeah. yeah so what what yeah. car are you going to buy back next <laughs> So we have had the old yeah. FC. Yeah, maybe the Mabita, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be good to touch base on, I mean, you're, you've done two litre cup. Uh, yeah, yeah, that interests know, me a lot. Very successfully as well. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's what so, was that so like? Uh, so two litre cup for me, I mean, I, you know, it, it, if if I could do anything, it would be to be, you know, winning Porsche Super Cup. You know, I love one model series. So going yeah. back to the Beatles, I love a whole grid of the same car. Yeah, because then you there's nowhere to hide. You know, you, yeah. if, if you win a race and everyone's got the same equipment on the same tire, then you, you you've done the best job. It's funny that gets derided sometimes. But I've I think I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody was deriding. Oh, it was the Beetle RSI yeah. Cup. Yeah, and that was a you know there was two hundred and fifty of those built. Yeah, and um, whoever was talking about it was deriding the that Beetle and that Cup that series yeah, yeah but that's totally wrong because it's such a great equalizer yeah, isn't yeah. it yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah um so we're so the two liter cup um started a couple of years ago so 2018 i think it was yeah so people have been racing 1965 911s but in things like the spa classic six hour race or something and you'd get maybe half a dozen cars and a mixture of mgbs and all sorts of things but it was just a car within a class as yeah, well because yeah. you'd be in there'd be gt40s on the grid and so you know it was you'd be in looking in your mirrors most of the time but it was you know i had raced um a two liter fia car f- for a few years in in one-off races if you like yeah. and then a um guy called James Turner and again Lee Maxted Page and and uh, Kevin Morfitt uh, from Historica and, and Richard Tutter they sort of came up with this idea of doing a whole grid of of FIA as I call them you know 1965 cars yeah it actually ranges from 64 to 66 but basically short wheelbase two litre mm. on Solex carburetors which means no 
no um, the two liter s had webbers which yeah. were an advantage so it's, it's a really really strict rule book of how you know everyone's on the same exhaust pipe and on the same width wheels you yeah. know you you you're You've got to be on the, the, the smallest brake calipers Porsche ever made for a 911. <laughs> and and we're all, we all have to come in at the end of the race with a minimum weight of 1,001 kilos. And they weigh all the, you know, all the cars. Yeah. And they, it's really strict. They spend a lot of time looking at the cars and measuring everything. Yeah. Track width, everything on the car, uh, which is great. Mm. And we're all on these Avon tyres. And they're 90-minute races. And they're on Grand Prix circuits around Europe and it's super competitive. Um, yeah, I think the best grid we had was at Spa with 46 cars on the grid. That's incredible. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. So good. And just yeah. the sight of all of these yeah. early cars. Yeah. I, want, I really want to go and see one. I just, so, yeah. uh, it's probably at the top of my list of stuff yeah. that I'd like to go yeah. and see. Well, let's go yeah. and, let's go and yeah. do it this year. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Spa is a good one to go to, which is soon. Yeah. Uh, we're next weekend. We're at Mugello in Italy. I've never been there, but, um, there's 30 cars for that, which isn't wow. bad off the back of, you know, because obviously yeah. the depleted grids through COVID. We did yeah. Estrel at the end of last year, but there weren't that many cars. Mm. Yeah. But the 30 is a good grid of cars. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure for Spa, we'll get close to 40 cars. Fantastic. And it's Brilliant. so good. When's that? Um, so Spa is uh, in about six weeks' time. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I think middle of May. Mm. Um, we've but, said before so. and, it, and it's it's so fantastic the series it it would be lovely if there was one um a, around in the uk and, and yeah. i know it's and they are the, talking about it which would oh, be like, great and, yeah. and, I, and i think it's the one thing that 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 series lacks and i understand yeah. that it's part of peter auto and, yes, and whatnot yeah, yeah. Um, but there are so many uk people involved Entrance, in yeah. that series yeah. it would yeah. be like a, a home leg yeah they're talking about having a support race for one of the major GT events. Okay. So that, that would possibly be at Brands Hatch on the Grand oh, Prix great, circuit. Wouldn't it? So that yeah. would be amazing, yeah. Mm. But Seeing it, those dance around Brands Hatch. The racing so good. Oof. And there's, it, some, there's some great drivers in it. Yeah. Um, and some, so, so when we won the championship in the 2019, and I did half of them with uh, Andrew Jordan. So it's quite weird because I started by racing with his father. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and now I'm racing <laughs> with Andrew. <laughs> Uh, which is amazing. You know, he's British touring car champion. So, uh, you know, I have to really make sure it sort of sharpens me up because <laughs> I don't want to let him down, you know, yeah. and I did half of them on my own. But this this year, the plan is because at, at that time he was still doing British touring cars and some of the dates clashed. Yeah. This year, um, he's not, you know, he's no longer a touring car driver. So he's doing all of them with me. So it's a 90 minute race. So we share the car and there's a mandatory pit stop in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, some drivers will just elect to stay mm. in the car. Mm. Um, that, some of the best onboard footage I've seen yeah. is from just, the two yeah, yeah. They're so busy. Yeah, oh, so, so busy. much <laughs> going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's literally yeah. dancing. Yeah, yeah, and, it? and it's, it's really weird. So, so we had a guy. Um, so Mike runs. You know, Mike and Andrew run the team, and we had uh, a, a, a couple of guys of Perfetti, uh, the Perfetti family, mm-hmm. and they've won Le Mans. Uh, they you know, currently, I think, two years ago, they won Le Mans uh, in the GTE class. So they're proper drivers, you know, really good drivers. Um, and they overdrove the car, and they couldn't get the head round one. They, they couldn't get it on the pace. And it's yeah. really easy to, yeah. to you know, because they were so confident, they could throw the thing around and not it's be scared too aggressive of it. with it. But actually, it slows you down. Yeah. But it's easy to underdrive it as well. 
and yeah, it's okay, a real yeah. fine line, yeah. you know, sort of a controlled, because it needs to move around, but as soon as you move around too much, you just lose speed. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. you see the revs drop if you have a, if you, if you, if ever you leave a black line coming out of a corner, you then see the revs just drop 200 revs and then you know you're going to get overtaken down the next <laughs> break. Got you, yeah. So you have to, it's a sort of controlled, controlled aggression, if you like. Momentum. Yeah. My, yeah, I guess yeah. momentum and just keeping it on that fine balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You're um, as we're kind of discovering. So you, you've raced so much in terms of like historic stuff, but also contemporary yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how? And because I, I know this year you're also racing three liter RS. Yes, which is right up there with one of yeah. your favourite cars, yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what's that like? How does that compare? Why did you want to do that? So in 2016. Uh, my friend Lee Maxted Page, uh, who, who deals in Porsches, but just in sort of classic Porsche racing cars, you know, significant cars, yeah. if you like, with history and things. So he, you know, I'd, I'd raced a two-litre car with him a few times, and uh, he had a customer that had bought a three-litre RSR uh, that had, had hist- early history and then had been sort of off the radar for a long time. Yeah. So Lee recommissioned it and then said to his customer what you should really do is get it out there so people can see the car. The idea was to make some money, you know, mm. to buy the car. Yeah. And, uh, and convinced his customer it was a good idea to let him and, so to let me and Lee, because the guy wasn't a racy guy, uh, race it. So we did, uh, we did Paul Ricard, we did Spa, and then we did Classic Le Mans. So driving it through the night and oh, stuff, you oh, know. That's amazing. And, 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 and uh, I don't know how Lee pulled it off, really, but <laughs> but he did, and actually, and we didn't damage it. And luckily, I didn't know the value of it at the time. <laughs> but we, it was quite weird because the owner of this car actually came to Le Mans, and I don't think he'd ever been to a racetrack, and uh, he was just partying. He just loved it. And in the middle of the night, I got out of his car, having just done sort of you know forty-five minutes of just thrashing it around Le Mans <laughs> yeah. and as I was getting out of the car he came up to me he was thanking me for driving his car so nicely <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never bizarre, had that experience it's yeah. really weird yeah, yeah. yeah really weird I can imagine his buzz though you know yeah. not necessarily that he wanted to race but to be involved in it well, to the, party around yeah. it to, and the energy wow. you know when yeah. you go to a racetrack if you if you're in the pit lane and and obviously at Le Mans they want you know there's a lot of noise and smells and you know it's, it's a really yeah. exciting place to be and you're coming in with the brakes glowing and all of that sort of thing and mm. yeah of course you know if you've never been to a track and that's your first go at it sort oh, of thing oh, yeah. yeah that is something yeah yeah and he's, in, cool. he's invested in it as yeah, well isn't he yeah, so yeah, yeah amazing yeah so Fantastic. so but sadly it did the job and he sold that car so but i really got the I'd, I'd never really i mean i'd always looked at those cars and thought they're great looking and the liveries and all of that yeah. thing. But I'd never really, th- it wasn't on a car on my radar because I just thought it would be an old dinosaur to sort of drive. Mm. Uh, actually, they're not. They're really, really good because they're it's so the light. RS they're 930 RSR. kilos or something. It's an yeah. RSR. You're, it's RSR. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez, wow. It looks yeah. like a heavy car, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It, yeah. They're, they're, that, all the big arches. Yeah, well, because it's all, it, none of that's metal, you see, no. so it's actually mm. quite light. Yeah. And they're quite powerful. It's mm. like 330 horsepower, normally aspirated. And, and, 
and you get to race without any exhaust and on megaphones. So uh, I love all of that. The, the noise. noise. Funnily enough, the music that starts our very podcast is yeah. a is a three liter RSR. Is it? It yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've had a few. We should have done that as a quiz. Yeah. Gone on <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it is exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I haven't raced it yet. I've tested it, but because of COVID, we kept having false starts with it and. Um, but so next weekend's the first race. I'm uh, and they're, they're, uh, it's an hours race, and yeah. I'm doing that one on my own. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah, really you know, racing's yeah. quite clearly your passion, Mark. Yes, you know? and, yeah. and as, as I say, you've you've done some serious stuff with some senior senior cars. Yeah. For um, obviously, I, with, with what I'm doing this year, which is having a, a little bit of a go in charades, Boxster. Yeah. Um, I think my kind of piece. I have no racing history at all mm-hmm. um, or background. So I was kind of like, I feel like I'm doing it for the everyman. And it's like, you know, can you just stick someone in a car and whatnot? So I wonder if you would be able to offer a few tips or advice for um, not just me, but anyone else that thinks, okay, well, what is the difference? You know, if somebody's done a few track days, racing is very different. So is there anything that you can impart in that regard? Yeah, it definitely is different. Um, I think I would say to someone, I mean, when Chris, Christian is racing now of 964, uh, and he's going on his own and doing it on his own. So he's scrutineering it. You know, he's doing the fuel and everything. I, I, I would, the first thing I'd say is get a good team of people around you, whether, whether they're just some friends that will come and help you. Because for me, once, you know, you, you use a lot of brain power going racing mm, yeah. and you sort of want someone else doing your tire pressures and cleaning your screen and making sure you've got fuel in it and your yeah. bonnet pins are done. And you don't want to have to think about anything else. Um, I, I think can see I can see that because um I met you at Brands Hatch yeah. last summer. Yeah. I think it was the um festival uh, Pest, Porsche Festival. festival. Of Porsche. Yeah. 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 And um you were so focused on being in that car and ready to get out there. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. I'm not sure if it was a race. I don't wasn't even it? think it was a race. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've just been see. antisocial. <laughs> no, it wasn't a case of antisocial. No, I could no, no, you know, I, I could I, sense I do. When, how much brain power you were yeah. utilizing just to get in the car and be ready for that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so i would definitely say a make sure you're not it's not anything last minute you want to be always don't be the last into the collecting area when you you're ready for the race so you know be, be prepared and be out there but have someone with you so when you go to the collecting area don't go on your own because if you suddenly you're all belted in and you want to adjust a mirror or something or you just yeah. want to ask a question you just have a have always have someone there until idea. you can't anymore so until you go out the pit lane have someone standing by the door because you yeah. suddenly think of something and you might want to ask or, or yeah. you, you know I've forgotten whatever something. yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> so ha- so make sure you've got someone there you know so, and ideally someone that knows what they're doing oh, okay you yeah. know. won't be me mum then no. <laughs> well, i don't mom, know I'm your so mum but... <laughs> <yeah. laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the other thing is, I, I mean, I, I think that if you are, you know, the first time you go out there, obviously manage your expectations. You're probably not going to win it, Lee. I'm sorry. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, if you know that, you know, if, if in the, on the test day or, or qualifying, if you know that someone, uh, you're around someone that's, that's got quite a lot of experience and quite steady out there, if you can get on the back of a car like that, 
you know, in, in the race. That's a good and just have it as your target yeah. to just stay as close to a, someone that's more experienced. And then if you make do that, get, make you know, that and your then, race. yeah, if you do a number of races, you, you, the next thing you go, right, I now want to go up, mm. you know, mm. if you... Similar to your experience at Thruxton. Yeah, exactly. Ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. It okay. makes it quite a lot easier rather than, you know, just study what's right in front of you and what's right behind you. Don't don't look too far further yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, through yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, then once, once the race is... You know, obviously, what a lot of people don't realise is when you're racing a car like the box you're going to race, the car will change as the race goes on. Mm. So quite often you'll see people trying to, you know, take paddock or something. You know, three quarters of the way through the race, you probably won't have the same grip that you had at the start. So that's when quite often you'll see people. You know, if you ever you're watching racing and someone's come coming making more and more tires squeal, and you think if they don't adjust their braking point or the the yeah. speed they're taking in, that eventually they're going to spin. Yeah. So yeah, it's sort of it's sort of. I, I trained to be a mechanic, so I got that sort of. I'm always thinking about how the car's feeling. Mm. Mechanical. So empathy, yeah, sometimes the gear change will change. You know, you you might have to just give it a little bit longer. F- yeah, as the oils get hotter, yeah. you have to yeah. just. Yeah, the brakes might, the pedal might be a bit long, you know, long, mm. as they say, mm. a bit spongy. So you just got to adjust. Listen, listen, listen to the car. Yeah, feel the car, which yeah. I guess you'll be okay. good at that because you drive a lot of cars and things. <laughs> well, yeah. We're, I mean, you've done some track. Driving it, track. driving it well. Yeah, but you've done some track things. I, mean, I have. Was, but yeah, even, you know, when, um, and I think at, at track days with Porsche Club or otherwise, if somebody's there offering tuition, I always think you should have it. You yeah. can never have too yeah, much. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, people always say on, track days you know don't worry about the car in front just worry about what you're doing and whatnot Mm -hmm. which is actually really good advice to anyone who's not done track days before don't get caught up in trying to chase somebody but then obviously racing is a different scenario and actually well you do need to know what they're doing or keep an eye on them yeah you know as long as you've got the discipline of watching your your own craft your own what you're doing there's definitely a few things like that um i sometimes think when a yellow flag goes up it could be that, that, that a driver's just lost talent and spun for some reason. Or if you see a few cars go off, then I would think maybe there's a reason and maybe there's some fluid down. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you see a load of yellow flags going up and cars spinning, maybe adjust your entry speed to the next corner just in, you to you know. Pay it for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's things like that uh, as well. Mm. Um, where's your first race? <laughs> Do you know yet or not? Um so I've got one is at Thruxton, which I've I've uh, I've been there once to pass my arts. Yeah, yeah, so that was yeah. six laps. Um, the other one is Brands Hatch GP. I've only ever done wow, Indy. That's good. So um, I think it's the GP like circuit's easier. As really? far, I mean, there's obviously more okay. to learn, but it's it's it, yeah, it's a it's it's that's a really nice circuit. Yeah, yeah, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, the, the overriding theme, I think, from what you're saying, and the advice is brilliant. I'm generally going to listen to this pod back and probably like tape that <laughs> the last <laughs> five minutes what you've just said that and I'll have that in the car. But um, it, it seems to be just about, and it, again, Andy relates to what you said when you saw Mark at Brands just being kind of really dialed in and just having that maximum concentration in terms of dedicated to what you're doing and what the car's doing and being alert to what is out there on the track as yeah. well. So like you're saying, if a load of cars have gone off, well, is there There's some fluid there? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. just being absolutely dialed into all of that and having the awareness. And do the testing, you know, do do the, if you can afford it or the team will allow it, 
do the do the whole of the Friday before the race meeting starts. You know, do do the test if you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. That's yeah. that's stellar advice. And yeah, again, highly appreciate it. From you know, I mean, you've you've done everything and, and won most things as well. <laughs> so it's um it's awesome, and and it shows as well, Mark. In all seriousness, that you know you really do like live and breathe the brand you know your your monday to sunday is all around these fabulous porsche sports cars road or race so yeah you know it's it's it's, it's lucky we chose such a good <laughs> a good, <laughs> a good uh, brand isn't it in the first place I yeah guess. But, yeah it's uh, a good job yeah, yeah. you um sacked off the fuel and potatoes I yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah look that's fantastic uh, mark sumter from paragon porsche thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me guys thank you Cheers. Thank you.